Sometimes the Southwest Big Chief would deposit my cipher at the Trinidad stop. She would get on at Gallup. And I still take no joy in its passing, although I do corkscrews around it in a candy-red single-engine turboprop. Stunts for nobody. I've been through hard times too. This situation's a man. I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm hard times too. Half past despicable. Last man to bring it through. Fast raps and critical stack. Analytical slap slap. I'm hitting you smack smack. I'm sticking you smack. Lift the stack tip all with the lyrical tech. Welcome to episode 55 of Breakup Gaming Society, home of America's least responsible board game podcast. I am your host, the great unclean one. What's to look forward to today? First of all, beer and a shot combo. Weather's warming up. It seemed to make sense. I'll take you with me. Second, got some lovely locals over to try a board game that we previewed in the last episode. I interviewed the creator, Sean Lee. The game's called Citrus. And we actually got a test play of it in. Going to share my impressions on that. Track of the week. Some old school lions popped back onto my shuffle with vigor that made my hairs stand on end. We're going to sample that track. That's the episode. That's what we're here to do. Use both joy and melancholy and everything in between to talk about the three pillars of my life. Booze, board games, hip-hop. Thanks for coming along. Oh yeah, but someone else is also along for the ride. I'm going to introduce you to another lovely member of my podcasting family. Folks at Sugar Coated Murder. It's a good proposition. Do you like scones? Do you like when people dismember their spouses? <laughs> I've got a show for you. I relate to how they've carved out the space. Let's do sweet things and horrible things and, and get there. Because you know, I'm trying to do something no one else is doing too. And, and they're coming at, coming at it their way. Sugar Coated Murder. Sweet bakery items, horrifying crimes. Here comes the ad. Hey, Ann Barner. Hey, Karen Beatty. We need a promo. You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast? Like how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. Drink of the week. Back in the spate of... Breakup Gaming Society episodes that were recorded in Colorado Springs. My companions on the microphone were a group of fun, big-hearted, screwy, creative, occult-practicing, gender-fluid, alcoholics and drug addicts, which meant we, we got along fine. And on those nights, drink of the week was simple. I'd show up with a big bottle of something, and we'd drink it and eat all night. I had some new folks coming over for Game of the Week, and I got suddenly self-conscious about looking like a maniac when asked if I had something to drink, just holding up a bottle. Well, what do you mix it with? Your bloodstream, naturally. So I decided to end my estrangement with a beverage known as beer. And along with one of my bourbon value-buy go-tos, which is Jim Beam Devil's Cut. It's been talked about multiple times on this show, and it's still a great a great drink for the for the price tag. Said the hell with it. It's been a while, and I got one of uh, a six pack of 
Left Hand Milk Stout, which has made its way far and wide across Colorado and beyond. And rightfully so. It's a sweet, smooth, silky stout, and being that winter seems to have temporarily lost its grip, and we had a warm afternoon where I didn't need to hunch into a hoodie to go outside, that let's try an old beer in a shot. And as I had my snack table prepped and the game out on the table and my company wasn't there yet, I just poured myself a big pint of that milk stout. And then a little pour of the, the Jim Beam back. First, a silky quaff of the stout with its you know, signature sweetness and lightness despite its dark color. Then the sugary burn of Jim Beam Devil's Cut. Boy, was it good. And I, I suppose I could have done something stupid, like maybe, I don't know, turn it into a car bomb type shot and drop the one into the other, but instead I decided just to drop them separately down my booze hole. And and it tasted like spring, damn it. And it was, I, I guess, again, important to not look like a complete alcoholic when my friends, my new friends, who, by the way, are capable of smoking enormous amounts of weed, all came over to play citrus with me, or at least try to play. That experience is going to be detailed in just a few seconds in Game of the Week. Game of the Week. If you can picture my decrepit ass now, I stand picking my Yeti microphone in the air like Jackie Robinson or something. Ahem, what the man meant to say was Jackie Wilson. It was a Jackie Wilson reference. I return you to the previous stupidity. But this is Game of the Week, where we are trying for the first time to do a test play of Citrus, a forthcoming game by designer Sean Lee of Australia. It's set in the year 2077, and it involves multiple point-scoring engines and ways for characters to align with various corporate or criminal factions to climb a brutal hierarchical technocrat ladder. And I realized, even though I am in the middle of digesting three solo games, for this one I needed some help. But I was in luck. Ryan, Zabe, and Zach, three lovely locals whose businesses I have frequented, have come to help me uh, play it. Right now we are in what I think is phase two. We're probably playing half of it wrong, but um, as it stands, my character, Absalom, is in the middle of... You know what? I'm not quite equipped to tell you, but we've got the entire beautiful thing spread out on the table, just like a Thanksgiving turkey. And after we play a few rounds and communally agree on some of the points of confusion... We are going to come back with Ryan, Zabe, and Zach and get some post-play impressions. Thanks for sending the game, Sean. This is the Great Unclean One, and I'm going to turn the microphone over to my compatriots, who were not only valuable in to giving us the insight we had into this game, but getting as far as we did. We were playing Citrus, we played multiple rounds, playing up three, four rounds, and the only thing that I got was just a glimpse of how elegant and interlocking the scoring machines really were. But knowing that, 
I'll give the floor to Ryan, Zabe, and Zach. I am glad that they omitted the debt section because uh, it took a minute to learn without that. Um, so, 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 by the way, um, early on, we were trying to run the, our first game off the video rules and the prototype printed rules, and there was a debt section that was in one but not the other. Yeah, I think it was very complicated but also paid off nicely once you get to learn the rules. The rounds go pretty quickly and feels pretty satisfying. The engine turns. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep, and, and I just started to get... The, the slightest sense of what happens as you start to build your base engine to climb up the tower because I kept asking Ryan and uh, Zach uh, how the hell, why would I take these actions or put players here because that's when you're ready to take big steps up so there's step changes in, in what you do to drive your point engine I wasn't good at them but sure, you start off focusing on smaller missions, then you start focusing on like building towers and exchanging your resources, the merchant. The bounties are a quick way to get points. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also the classic, what a lot of these games, the, the conundrum that they put you in is depth versus breadth and when to go wide and when to go deep. Yeah, there's a lot of good strategy based on whether you should try and build up repetition of factions or build up repetition of, what's the other one, the two top icons? Oh, your skill. Your, yeah, either your skills, skills or factions, yeah. and it, it was like pretty, uh, pretty interesting to come up with different combinations of what you were going for, whether mm. you were going for a, a faction or a skill. It's yep. kind of nice, especially when you're considering like the the corporate rats at the beginning give you it gives you a bunch of resources, so you can kind of stack the game that way, or the. Uh, the rover one allows you to kind of stack the game when you're going to the merchant where you can just trade a ridiculous amount of resources. Yeah, th- there's a lot a lot of decision space in this game. And we only uh, glanced, I think, probably a fifth of it. We probably played the first three rounds wrong, but as we all know, that's to be expected the first time you break out a strategy game this crunchy. This has been Trinidad, Colorado... Breakup Gaming Society's early notes on Citrus by Sean Lee. We thank you. Postscript. It's four days later, and this is the great unclean one. Hi, that's me. I've had some time to think about what Zabe and Zach and Ryan uh, experienced, uh, along with myself, on that board game table. And here's one place, a couple episodes back, Before having even seen it on a table, I interviewed the creator, Sean. And here's one thing I can say. Despite being still completely out to sea and how some of the rules and steps work. And that is, Sean's claim about how the mechanics unite with a feel or theme was certainly true. It was really cool. As you've we finally got our heads around some of the mechanical steps of where to go and not only what's, you know, the underbelly of this world and some of the characters there, but yeah, get a sense of where your character was going as you started to plot your way up to the higher tiers of this cruel society by using waste tubes, which by the way, you've got to sort of 
build your own tube path up from the slums. Very interesting. And my most clear frame of reference for this experience was a much simpler predecessor from the Dungeons & Dragons universe called Lords of Waterdeep. It aims for a lot of the same things that Citrus is going for. It uses uh, worker placement and action selection to try to tell the tale of what various factions and missions and machinations are going on in this you know, fantasy setting. Now, Lords of Waterdeep was a great option to have on the shelf when you have some people who are over who aren't hardcore gamers and you wanted them to know what they were doing in a turn or two and you wanted the whole thing over to be you know over in less than an hour or so. But after my sixth or seventh play of that, it wouldn't be my choice for when our more expert friends were over. The game was kind of felt like it played itself to a degree. And when you sent your agents, your meeples around in Lords of Waterdeep to recruit fighters and wizards and such, represented by little cubes, the gameplay got completely divorced from the theme. I could tell by the way people interacted with it that they weren't really absorbing uh, any sort of uh, fantasy, high fantasy skullduggery. You know, rather than calling the white cubes wizards, everyone's looks like, give me three of the white ones. I'll take two purple ones, swap it for two black ones. Da, 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 da. I used to try to enforce the theme by always calling them by their character name, but no one ever cared because the theme didn't stick. It does in Citrus. And one thing I found myself getting engrossed with as our tableau in our test play started to form was how you see on multiple dashboards your wealth, your skill set, the avenues open to you, the sort of flavor of this interplay of gangs, seeing your gang's presence spread out in the underbelly while always trying to scheme a way to go up, up, up. It's something I'd like to do again. Now, more than likely, being a classic late adopter, I I love playing. I hate reading rules, <laughs> which means... I, um, when this thing actually does get on Kickstarter, I'm definitely going to buy a copy. It's pretty and it's engrossing and I don't entirely get it, but it's an experience I want to seek, seek again because hats off again to Sean made a complex action selection and uh, point generation engine experience that never feels like abstract accounting. I really did feel like I was trying to build an empire in a crazy place. So that much works. Hats off to you again at Citrus, C-Y-T-R-E-S-S official. Citrus official is where you can get a, a glimpse at some of the beautiful componentry of the game and a hint at the stories that you'll tell if and when you put it on your table. Thank you. Next, Star. relax and take a seat, sit back and play the beats and blast it in your Jeep. It's the track of the week. I'm ratchet in the streets, talk trash to the geeks, get smacked in the beat. It's the track of the week. The first time I ever heard Blow Your Head by Fred Wesley and the JBs, sampled in a hip-hop song, was on Public Enemy's first album. Still my favorite Public Enemy album, despite what everyone else says. Some people talk like Their discography didn't even start until Nation of Millions, and it's understandable why, over time, that gets lauded. It was an unprecedented step change in terms of going from a freshman to a sophomore LP. 
change in style, production, rhyming. It was a nuclear bomb. But to this day, I still have more tracks from their first album in my shuffle than I do Nation of Millions. The first album is called Yo Bum Rush the Show. And the Fred Wesley song snippet that they used in uh, uh, the song called uh, Public Enemy Number 1, you know, the first time I hear it, I didn't like it. I'm like, this is just obnoxious. But something about it had magnetized me. And when I was spinning all my other favorites off the cassette tape, I'd return to it again. And by playing four, number five, I was addicted. I know for a fact there were kids on my dorm wing that hated me for that song. And one of the things I love so much about Public Enemy's first album, you know, around that same time, you know, N.W.A., has put the big shot across the bow to the world for what gangster music is. And they have an album called Straight Outta Compton where they're talking about a day in the life of a crack dealer and shooting up the streets and beating up dudes at a party just because or getting beat up by cops just because. And it was more portrayed more violence. But for being around the same time, Yo Bum Rush the Show to me is more violent the way the Bomb Squad, their production team, engineered that, I still just gape at the speakers. The way they mixed Chuck D's voice and the way they will just approach a, you know, a piece of sampling and scratching with almost a let's scare the shit out of people with some quasi-industrial shit mindset. You have to imagine that around 1987... There was, and that album dropped, and it was coming loud out of car windows. There was probably more than one person who it scared the living shit out of. So I'm, I love it. And on their uh, one of their more recent albums, "What Are You Gonna Do When the Grid Goes Down," Public Enemy revives the song. They tweak it, and I'm like, oh, I remember this. I love this, but it was different because they brought back a few old friends and turned it, turned it into a hip-hop victory lap that made the hair on my arm stand up. Yo, we played that shit back and forth like about a million times. That shit was nice. So nice. You know, I've been thinking we should call Chuck D on the phone right now and ask him what goes on. I'm all in, put it up on the board. Another rapper shot down from the mouth that roars. One, two, three, down for the count. The result of my lyrics, so yes, no doubt. Go rock rap, 49 Supreme is what I choose, and I use and never lose to a team. I can go solo like a Tyson. So the surviving members of the Beasties pop in to intro the track. And one thing that's different is after that big gunshot explosion sound that kicks off the verse. Flav raps the part that was originally done by Chuck in the 1980s and runs right through it. And when he's done, who appears but the surviving members of Run DMC? And after all that, then the godfather, Chuck D, comes back on with some new verses. 
Now, here's a little story we got to tell About a sound so deaf, you know so well It started way back in history With the BC Boys LL Cool J Run DMC and Public Enemy Great was a label with two turntables and a mic MCs do what you like 83, beats in the place to be 84, rhyming the open doors to the Gemini, who I am. Stand to the jump and the crack the floors. I got a posse of a force to back me up. Watch out, we got rhythm to match. Ambush attack of my team. Double team, you get cream. You got it so you don't catch. Wanna hear it again? We got a force. I know as a matter of evolution and musical necessity and changing tastes that people aren't going to be making music the same way that their forebears did. But there's one thing. I am grateful to Public Enemy for doing on this one is for keeping one of the most important things from old hip-hop alive in the mix, and that is, how about at the end, we give the DJ, in this case, DJ Lord, a workout, let him tear it up a little bit. This is how it's supposed to be done. celebrate when you know when you hear all those voices on the track it's like the comic book nerd version of you know when they finally get all the Avengers together on screen fighting together for the first time except it's better because it's hip-hop this has been the great unclean one is that what I called myself this episode the great unclean one sometimes I forget segment to segment but in either case I appreciate the listen come over and visit us at breakup gamingsociety.com read the blog download anything you want have a laugh and uh, let's play some games all right